Well, Brent is gay and Kaylin's gay and Clark is gay and Ryan's gay and Adam's gay. It's Homo Superior. Issue 198. I'm Kaylin. I'm Clark. I'm Ryan. I'm Adam. And I'm Brent Wingate. And this week, Homo Superior is back in court with our predictions of who murdered Scarlet Witch in the trial of Magneto. There are too many comic book issues. So if you hate that, find your skip button now. <laughs> and we have a dummy thick news flash with Disney Plus and HBO Max shows, ScarJo and Pokemon, which, if you didn't know, is Japanese for pocket gaze. Um, a little housekeeping stuff first. So we're a scrappy podcast here, uh, you know, just trying to grow and gain our listenership. But the big podcast industry is trying to squash us. So we here at Home of Superior are asking you, the listeners, which we're now calling the Home of Superior family uh, or the homosexuals for short, <laughs> to rate and review us where you can and recommend us to your friends if you're not too embarrassed to admit you listen to us. Also, we are taking alternate names for what our fandom would be called. I don't know what you call roughly 112 people. Okay. <laughs> I, thought you, I thought you meant the 198. No, we call them the 198 because that's all that's left. Yeah. Um, all right. So uh, we've also got our regular 200th issue uh, coming up. So send in any questions you'd like us to answer via Twitter at Homo Superior X. We'll do a little mailbag on our on our podcast and have like lots of activities. We'd love any questions you've got, uh, whether or not they are X-Men or superhero related. Uh, plus, we've got a new episode of Vicky and Kiana talking more coming out whenever I can find the emotional fortitude to finish editing it. Thank you for your support in this distressing time. All right, let's do a little whodunit. Let's get into some court stuff. Kaylin, uh, take it away. All right. So as Brent mentioned, we got the trial of Magneto coming up. The first issue is coming out on August 18th. Um, but before we get there, we at Homo Superior, we're going to have we're going to have a little court case. And we're all going to uh, uh, present who we think the real culprit is, because I don't think any of us think it's really Magneto. That would be just too obvious. But we're going to have the Honorable Clark Whitehead presiding over homo superior court. So all rise, all rise, all rise for, uh, for Judge Whitehead. Woo! I, I imagine oh this honorable judge is um, more apt. Yeah. <laughs> so we're going to start off. Um, so it's, um, this is Krakoa versus Exodus, um, called in the, <laughs> the case of the murder of Scarlet Witch. As we know, my sentencing will be uh, killing you and shitting on your corpse. <laughs> and by you, I don't mean the person with the crime. I meant the prosecutor. So, be <laughs> so with that in mind, um, prosecutor number one, Kaylin, please come to the stand or whatever the sure. hell you want to do. Uh, all right. Thank you, Your Honor. Uh, can, so, I, can I ask you a quick uh, question? You said to rise for the Honorable Clark Whitehead. When should I let my erection drop? <laughs> Never, 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 ever. Like, it just got to stay up. All right. So um, I am presenting the case against Exodus. And the reason why is he's a person, he was first introduced as an acolyte of Magneto and a mutant supremacist. And I believe, or rather Kokoa believes, he's guilty of murdering Wanda Maximoff, a.k.a. the Scarlet Witch. And here are the pieces of evidence. Evidence number one. In one of his earliest appearances uh, in Avengers West Coast number 101, which was part of the Blood Ties crossover with X-Men, he tells Wanda and Genosha that she's unworthy of being Magneto's daughter. That's like one right there. She's like, 
Like, bitch, you ain't it. Number two, House of M number seven, uh, the penultimate uh, issue of that miniseries. Wanda says, no more mutants, thereby reducing Earth's mutant population to 198. Exodus is one of the few that keeps his powers, and he's angry that he now only has 197 other mutants that he can uh, look over as his flock. Remember, he's a supremacist. Evidence number three, <laughs> X-Men number seven, uh, the, mo the, the, the most recent volume, not the one that just started, but the one that Jonathan Hickman wrote. Exodus tells a group of young Krakoans that the reason behind the crucible, that what the reason behind the crucible is. He refers to Wanda as a pretender and it indoctrinates the kids into thinking that, that she stole their gifts from them. And uh, like in that scene, they're all like pretender, 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 like no more, no more, no more. And so he's a big proponent of the crucible and he, but he says the reason it happened is Scarlet Witch who is the devil in the Krakoan mythos. And then in the final, final piece of evidence, sword number six, Magneto tells Wanda that she will always be his daughter and he will do what, her, what he must do to make things right. The prosecution believes that Exodus being both Magneto's right hand at one point, plus being such an acolyte of the Crucible, killed Wanda because he doesn't believe she's worthy of her heritage, but knows that by killing her and resurrecting her through the protocols, he can make sure uh, she makes amends for her actions during M-Day. So that's my pieces of evidence. Your Honor, I'd like to object. Uh, <laughs> relevance on evidence uh, point number two, the fact that Wanda Maximoff has been accused of committing crimes on M-Day uh, is not related to this trial and should be stricken from the record. Uh, what? <laughs> no, I'm, a I'm a judge. I... <laughs> Never mind. Objection to that objection, Your Honor. That's a stupid comment. Uh, uh, the defense has a question. Um, so there is no defense, but okay, go ahead. I am the I am. Who's that unruly drunk man in the jury? <laughs> the drunk jury has a no question. Jury. Um, uh, so we think in your in your theory, and I'm using air quotes for the people listening at home. But you're not uh, using them now. Yeah, well, I'm busy with my hands. I'm jerking off too. Okay, but okay. Uh, so you said that you think Exodus will want to resurrect Wanda? Are we assuming that Wanda's still a mutant? Because I believe we've gotten proof and it is comic proof, so it is stupid that she is no longer a mutant. Is that what you're alluding to? That maybe she is still we, we believe, the prosecution believes that when she is resurrected, not if, when she is resurrected, she will come back as a mutant. But why would she be resurrected if she's not technically a mutant? Mut because comics defense comics. So, so um, prosecutor, partway through, I might have stopped listening for a minute. Um, did you <laughs> yeah. did you comment on the fact that um, the high ev evolutionary helped create the Scarlet Witch's abilities, and Exodus yeah. has previously attacked him with, with a mutant mutate army? to just uh, him for that very oh, reason. Your Honor, whose who side are you on? I, I love this. I, I'm on the side of the truth. He, I'm on the side he, of the truth. He, he wanted to destroy all his experiments as crimes against nature. Correct. That's, that's a great piece of evidence. Not, and, not, realizing, and not realizing that Scarlet Witch um, was part of those crimes against nature. But... <laughs> Can I add one piece of evidence uh, in favor of Exodus? 
uh, he's done nothing so far in the entire Dawn and Reign of X era. <laughs> yeah. And I feel like they've had him around too much to not do anything. Yeah, that's fair. Um, also, I like this court being run like Judge Judy's court. Um, oh, you know, <laughs> just, just like the judge is like, you're a daddy. Does Judge like, Judy normally stop paying attention halfway through? Um, yes, yeah. said, they're, they're called commercial the breaks. Yeah. Hey, look at me, look at me. Don't shit on me and tell me you're baking a cake. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think hey, she's ever said. Talk about that though, did you? No, but there, there's a lot of questionable stuff with that side of her heritage. Let's say it that way. <laughs> Wait, whose heritage? You mean Judge Judy's? <laughs> yeah. uh, bitch, speak on it. <laughs> I'm going to find out her heritage now. Oh, my God. All right. Prosecution rest. Can the other prosecution go? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Once again, now into the case of uh, Krakoa versus Multiple Man. And in this case, my sentencing will be killing you and shitting on your grave multiple times. <laughs> it's well, a capital thank offense. You. Yeah. Thank you, Your Honor, for having me on the court today, to the judge, to the random defense, and the other prosecutor the in this court. I bring to you a case of Multiple Man killing Wanda Maximoff. Who can be in two places, nay, three, nay, multiple places at once, only one man, who's become a mad scientist even more so than that dumb bitch beast, only one man. But the big question is, who, after being slighted a tip from handing Magneto a drink ahead of his threesome with Namor and Professor X, later found the master of magnetism welcoming back his sorta, maybe kinda daughter, only one man, multiple man but the bigger question is which multiple man the answer multiple men yes that's right a rogue group of madroxes who have made it up being krakoa's population of manservants has given a big fuck you by killing mutantdom's most hated betrayer but the biggest question is really truly why why I hadn't thought that far into this joke answer, but boy, will the egg be on your faces come August 18th if you don't believe me right now, Your Honor. I rest my case. No further questions. Thank you. Uh, I have a question. Um, what's the motive? Yes. But that what's was his motive? As well. That is the biggest of the big questions, Kaylin, and it's all on the tip of our tongue. I'm sure you could all say it. I don't want to say it for you. So why would multiple man kill Wanda Maximoff? I'll let you think and I'll let you give a response and I'll tell you if it's correct. I really like the Clarence Darrow tone you brought to this. Okay, okay. No, I, I, I have a, I, I, I'm on your side apparently now. Um, I, I have a reason why. Um, I think, you know, every time multiple man creates a new dupe, he does create one with a different personality. So maybe one off, one of these dupes comes out and their personality is, I hate that scarlet bitch. So maybe one of them yes. is so drawn to that and is tired of their cater waiter lifestyle and they act, you know what I mean? And they just really go for it. You heard it straight from that drunken juror's mouth, your honor. Yeah. So um, I was thinking, so, since I'm going to help everybody, I guess, um, 
X Factor were the first mutant group to find out about um, Decimation Period because of Layla Miller. And Layla Miller and Scarlet Witch, Layla Miller does not like the Scarlet Witch for that very reason. Maybe he was finally getting some sort of, maybe, actually, you know what? I have another idea. Maybe he's protecting Layla because we have seen her for a second recently. And that's four, yeah. Maybe yeah. that's his plan. Also, Quicksilver and Quicksilver is hated by Madrock half the time. So maybe hating him has an he has an issue with his sister as well. I can can I just say that like Adam normally comes up with the craziest theories on this podcast, and they're usually right. So I'm pretty sure <laughs> Multiple Man is the one. They'll like, figure. What, like when we were when we were watching WandaVision, he was like, "But what if it's the 20th Century Fox Quicksilver?" And, we're all like, that's stupid. And then the next episode, it actually happened. And I was but, like, God damn it. But he was yeah, wrong. But then, it, then but it he was, was wrong. wrong. He was yeah, right and like, then he was wrong. It's going to be multiple man played by somebody else. I'm simply just telling you it's multiple. <laughs> but but he's actually going to be a random guy named Ralph Boner. Yeah, and they'll call him Fieratro multiple man is what I think. You had a fake foldable man is what you would call him. Brent, I feel like you're making my case for me, so I'll let you speak. Well, I really like the idea that, uh, you know, we think of this uh, trial as being a fake out. It's not really Magneto, but uh, I like the idea that the narrative arc is that someone is falsely accused and then punished, but really it was someone else. And that person could have just been a psychopathic uh, multiple man, uh, who's Kaiser Sose. He's, he can fit all the different pieces. Have they ever act like this is me being actually, uh, have they ever actually had, uh, like off, off, off personality Madrox? Oh yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. That was oh, a big yeah. thing in X Factor. Yeah. They yeah. had a murderer yeah. one. Yeah. Very, yeah. They I read the first issue. <laughs> but also a priest. So it evened out. Well, <laughs> to, to worse, to way if worse. If you're fascinated by what the results of this, uh, this kangaroo court could possibly be, <laughs> tune in next week when we will finish what our predictions are and then tune in when you find out what they actually are. Uh, this has been the end of uh, our <laughs> homo superior court. Do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do
Um, overall, I feel like I liked it a lot, but it's going to read amazing in trade. Yeah. It's, yeah, agreed. It's quite funny. It slowed down a bit, but I think it slowed down. This this was the series that was separated so much between issues more than any other one. I don't know why. Just because it didn't need to fit anywhere. It's very outside of most of the continuity because it, I guess it probably just happens really quickly. Adam? I was just going to say, I didn't get, besides X-Men Blue when we started this podcast, I didn't get a whole lot of opportunity to read about the baby X-Men. But they were all, besides maybe Jean Grey, really fucking boring. And I just love what Cable was able to do for baby Cable in both Extermination and then just his normal series and the X-Universe in general. I really, we've talked about this all the time. We hate, you know, old man Cable's boring as fuck. Who gives a shit? He's like an 80s vestige. And Baby Cable, this issue made me like almost cry at the end. I thought it was so sweet. It was just really cool. I liked it a lot. I, the overall series is great. I do think it kind of had, I think you're right, Clark, it'll fit much better in trade paperback because then you can get through some of the more drawn out issues. But the overall story, just the overall journey, I've, I've really come out the other side enjoying both cables a lot more. Right? Yeah, I think this is like an easy reader. They can just, if they don't know what's really going on with Krakoa, then you can kind of just enjoy the series. Um, yeah, he is way more captivating. <laughs> it's, it's pretty clear that he's way better than uh, the cable that we know and don't like. Um, I do like uh, in this issue, they said, the Krakoan age changed things. And that was really true. And that is a real catch-all for anything. And you're like, if this continues on forever, which it absolutely will not, because this is X-Men comics and they change every four to six years pretty extensively. So, like, we know it's not going to, but uh, I like that they at least, <laughs> they can say continuity is still at least within uh, the, what's going on for the future. Um, also, you always get in tricky grounds when you like talk about Cable in the future, because he was like, I went to the future. And then like it was done like in the 80s and now it's like 2021. <laughs> so like, yeah, so it always the gets future. Little, which was the future of the 2013. Future, like, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So it always gets in tricky so, grounds. So I think they should just keep doing that, that side of it where they keep it vague. And keep it moving because otherwise it, it just sounds so silly. We're going to say, Kaylin. Well, you brought up, yeah, you brought up a really good point because um, does that mean then Cable knows how it all ends up? And does that like fuck with Moira's plans? Well, she's not actively trying to kill him from her aqua marine place or whatever the fuck she lives in. So yeah. I think, I think, she, I think he's an outside variable that she doesn't worry about. Cable, Cable doesn't like recreating the future is i mean he, he's going to want to keep it as it happened yeah right that's true. so if he is involved with changing it that was always what it was supposed to be uh-huh. yeah. ah yes of course it's, it's <laughs> one of those time travel nonsenses yeah. i still weirdly think i'm a judge right now <laughs> i have been emotionally disconnected from that god character. he has too much power uh-huh. well your robes look great clark i'll just say that um I do, I, I almost did wish at one point that cable, that young Cable might have been striped. That one panel when Esme mm-hmm. said, we were told to check you out, like me and Emma and the other cuckoos, and I kind of fell in love with you. And I was like, that would have been a really interesting, that would have been almost like an Iron Lad-esque twist, like where like he finds out that he is going to become like a monster 
And like, he hates that about himself. And like, what can he do to try to stop it? But he can't. There's something like very kind of romantic about that. That sounds, that's not romantic. That's horrifying. <laughs> Depressing. You might as well like toss the entire magazine into the Tomato, track. tomato. I will say, well, I think that's like a little, I feel like at this point, it's a little bit tropish now too in Marvel Comics. Cause was, that was the same thing with the son of Ultron, right? What's his fucking name from the Runaways? Victor. Yeah, Victor. Vic- Vic- Victorion, yeah, whatever. Victorious, whatever. <laughs> I like that I made little uh, finger runnings as I was trying to think of the name of the Runaways. Yeah. Do we did how? What did you guys think about how it was going to end? How, I mean, how, what what did you think this way? I think it was going to end this way. He was just going to wow. go to some timeline that he's like helping in the future, and they were just going to be like, "Oh, like that's it." it. it yeah, definitely. Sense. I think the overall like narrative the character development was great the overall narrative arc and i've been talking about how shitty stripe is as a villain like the whole ending felt very rushed which i was like maybe a little bit upset like it would have been cooler if the mission had a little bit more gusto to it because they spent so much like time in the past like i guess previous issue and maybe even before that like getting the team together and it just felt like a very rushed like cataclysmic action ending very like black widow act three where i'm like what is all the need of this action happening but it's also because because it's a character story, they don't they didn't show that much on screen, which I thought was good. There was like no stakes involved in that fight. You kind of knew what was going to happen, which was which was a good a good bonus, I would say. I think my favorite right. part was the sorry, I didn't see your finger. Um, was the demons just once the battle's over, being like yeah. hail Satan and then walking off. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah that I was think good. as an ending, it's uh, you know, it's how I think most uh, good tv show finales occur where they kind of like retake you back through all the greatest hits for you know the show or whatever character we got to go through a lot of the different interactions he's had and what they meant to him even though they're relatively quick we're still reminded of why we like this character a lot and then we also got some fun reminders of plot points like apparently cable is the one who starts galador uh Mm -hmm. whatever that island or that planet shit was yeah Mm -hmm. I, I definitely wonder how the older cable is going to fit in with the entire Krakoan stuff. Is he going to be part of it? Will he be separate? Um, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, we know that he's going to, like, he's got that one shot uh, that Alec Ewing is writing for Last Annihilation. But speaking of Last Annihilation, let's move on to Sword Number 7 by Al Ewing and new artist Stefano Caselli. Um, as I said, the Last Annihilation continues. Emperor Hulkling frees Captain Glory from prison. In order to help fight Dormammu's mindless ones, uh, Goddess Empress Storm and Doctor Doom have dinner at Planet Araka's only three Michelin star restaurant. During dessert, Doom reveals he knows where Mysterium, the new element backing the galaxy's latest currency, comes from, the white hot room. And the meal ends with lightning instead of a DJ Steve. Abigail Brand and Sword head over to Hala to help the Kree Skrull Alliance fight the mindless ones. And we see the coda from last year's Empire Aftermath Avengers where there was a broken hunkling, uh, broken hunkling, excuse me, wondering whether his grandmother was correct. Well, it turns out that Agent Brand intercepted and blocked Hulkling's distress signal to Alpha Flight so he can feel indebted to S.W.O.R.D. In, at his greatest time of need. And then The Last Annihilation continues in the next issue of Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, what'd you guys think? Clark? I really hoped you said an Emil ends with lightning instead of DJ Steve. <laughs> Steve Aoki, that's right, yeah. Thoughts, thoughts on the issue, it's fantastic. I do have a problem with the fact that um, Agent Brand intercepted 
the distress signal to F-Flight, which means everybody, and therefore she allowed millions of people to be murdered right. throughout the galaxy yeah. in order to just get people indebted to her. It sounds it, like It sounds like you don't like women in power. So I'm- <laughs> I mean, she, she dated Beast for a reason, so obviously they could easily do pretty monsters she, together. She's still a piece of shit, but like, she's- Wait, are you, saying, are you saying that this is her Benghazi? Because we need a <laughs> hearing. We need 17 hearings. I mean, it's coming up on Homo Superior's uh, congressional hearings of Abigail Brand. <laughs> I mean, she's a a, a mass ver- murderer by omission. Yeah, but like if a man did it, how would you feel? But, but I would say I mean, he's also a mass murderer by omission. Don't we know? Don't we already know that she kind of um, is willing to take that role on, given the place that she, the placement she put in the Snark War or whatever. That yeah. she was willing to like pick a winner, or choose a, or, you know, it's, snarf for us. Snarf. 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 Brent, Brent, wouldn't you say that this is on brand for her? No, <laughs> no, I wouldn't. You would. No, no. We're going to stamp that with green. Don't go. I think it's go. <laughs> the much bigger connectivity that the world has had with the scrolls and the Cree than just like the snark war who like have not really had as much connection throughout our history of reading the snark. They're not stop, stop saying that. Snark, snark, snark. It makes me think of Thundercats with um, Snark. Well, like that's why I loved, uh, why I do love this book. This is my favorite X book, and it's probably my favorite Marvel yeah. book. Uh, because like you have a character that's so utterly Machiavellian. Like she's not a hero in the traditional sense at all. I mean, she's she's an anti-hero, and like the like it it reminded me of my favorite episode of Star Trek ever. It's the episode of Deep Space Nine where Cisco, like, basically uh, ha- has a ruse to bring in the, the Romulans to fight the Dominion, and like he allows people to be killed as a result of it. And he's like, "This is something I can live with." And so she's like, "I can kill these millions to save trillions." Uh, ultimately, um, and it's very scary, but it's very fascinating to read. Brent, I did like the artistic choice um, more than any other comic we've seen so far with. Dr. Doom, you know, relating to the X-Men or whatever, that you actually see his skin, especially uh, near his eyes, that like the there is less of the man behind the mask when he's interacting with Storm. And I think it's a really interesting artistic description or representation of a character choice. Clark? Clark? I'm going back in time. So I, I feel like Age of Brain has been such a white knight in the last six years seven years eight years nine years etc that this is the first time she's gone full gray in since she was first introduced she's gone up against much much worse people over and over and over and over again this is the first time she's just straight up been a monster i think ever i'm okay with it though i kind of like it i mean i love this comic and i'm fine with it i just it's it's weird it's a weird, sudden shift. Well, she's, she's always been focused on whatever goal she wants to accomplish, right? So it's not completely out of her realm, and it feels somewhat within who she is as a person. I, I would say it's probably like a good uh, indication or usage of the you know power corrupts kind of idea. Is she like corrupted? I don't think so, but she's obviously leading a much bigger scale, bigger possibility right now and i think like with the mysterium coming out the idea of the soul economy like she's in a power even more and more expansive power position so i can completely understand her making the choices 
um, that that she's doing. Although I would agree that I I agree, Clark. That I'm like great great characters are great, but I'm like I hope there's some explanation or motivate like additional motivation and character to that versus just saying like well I did it, so that's all you need to know. Because I think you have right. to showcase how our character is evolving and why she's making these even more deliberate choices that are obviously like playing with people's lives. I like that this book, uh, it is technically an X book, but it doesn't feel that way at all. Mm -hmm. It basically is one of the galactic sort of space books out there. Like it just is not, they can kind of go and choose whoever they want to interact with. I know, I know that's their mission statement, but they're really not interacting with Krakoa that much. I love that storm just because she does own Mars now. Um, Arako sold. Um, they're like, she's in the book now. Don't worry about it. And I think the dialogue for these powerful women is very spot on, which I yep. fucking love so mm -hmm. much. I think we all, I'm, that, that's one of my favorite aspects of this book. This is Storm's Renaissance, and I am eating it every step of the way. It's so good I, that you finally can be the queen that you deserve to, or whatever the fuck he says. <laughs> but, like, just, like, that, it's so good. Like, that dialogue is great. I love that Doom is being nice, which he never is. But he's being nice to Storm, and she's still like, fuck you. He's, he's like, <laughs> he's like a, gay, a gay white man. Yes, go off, queen. Run this planet. <laughs> yes, you are doing it. Yeah. It's just nice. No, game recognizing game is what it is. I did like his line of like, you tried to steal, uh, you know, fire from the gods, but when I did it, I wore gloves. I was like, it's a little on the nose, but I fucking love that line a lot. Yeah. Um, right. I will say a um, couple of things. One, um, the art was better than I was expecting it to be, like, because I was really worried about Valerio Shiti leaving the book, which is one of the main reasons I love it so much. Uh, but Stefano Castali did a really nice job, and I think it's the colors um that like kind of help like like just make his art pop more than it has before stefano casali like he drew he drew um a lot of marauders issues uh like fill-ins when matteo lolly wasn't drawing them um and uh he did um secret warriors which a number of us have read or are currently reading right now and the other thing is al ewing like I want him to take. I want him to take over every ex every book in Marvel. Oh, like good. write the write the Avengers. I want him to write the Avengers again. He definitely had a couple of different runs uh, on them, Mighty Avengers and U.S. Avengers. But like, like him taking on the the flagship title, like the book needs it. Jason Aaron's not doing a great job, unfortunately. That's, That's a good point, Kalen. And like, the, someone has to take over as the sort of mastermind behind the X Men after Hickman leaves. So. Mm -hmm. eh. I would like to maybe see him. I think it might be nice. Um, Clark? Agreed. I think Ewing is going to be the one, if anything, that grabs on Avengers afterwards. Yeah. Agreed. It was, like, was going to be either him or Kate, but Kate's is like his, I think his sensibility is too like rough and tumble. Like he's mm -hmm. much more of like the darker, darker uh, characters. And he does a solo book so well. Yeah, too. yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, what about the coda? What's going on with that? from the um, Empire final issue, Aftermath, from mm -hmm. what, yeah. April, May, June? Yeah, I mean, we talked about it a little bit last week, yeah. and uh, Clark, you thought it was you thought it was a little too fast, but I liked the context more of like, how this mm -hmm. is happening within the Mindless Ones, like attacking Hela, like Teddy having his moment of doubt because this is his first real challenge as Emperor, and like having, 
agent brand basically fucking him over to like increase her clout and power. I, I really liked all that. Clark? When I was talking about it last week, I was talking about it was too fast because I thought that final th- that final thing was going to be a huge thing where like planets were destroyed and now he's mm. upset. And then yeah. as I was talking about it last week, I slowly went, maybe it's just going to be Skrullos. And it was literally just Skrullos that was getting fucked up. So I don't yeah. think it was too fast for one planet, but also it seemed a little mu- much for like, Grandma, grandma told me this was going to happen she told me, like <laughs> two months ago and it wasn't really about this it was about the entire all of space so it, it wasn't quite that wasn't earned i don't think i, I, was, not, I would and, agree with i would agree with you clark i did i liked the way that it happened and why it happened because obviously her deflecting the signal like it was all cool context now having it I would agree that based on that like cataclysmic ending to Empire, I expected it to maybe be more towards the end rather than the beginning yeah. of this like overall crossover when the stakes haven't really been set except for the fact that Dormammu is now a giant planet controlling a bunch of robots. I do like the connective tissue where the reason this even happened was all of this happened was because the mutants grabbed shit from the White Hot Room. Like Dormammu's right. here yeah. because of that. I do want to, the other thing I had an issue with was the fact they're like, Captain Glory needs to come back, and then 14 (laughs) seconds later he's dead. (laughs) Yeah. How was that a big deal? Uh, Especially since it was the final shot on the issue before it. Me complaining about everything that's happening in this issue, it doesn't matter to me because I love this series, and it's not even like, I have problems, but I don't have problems with the series. You know? Is that what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's fair. Let's Let's move on then to Wolverine number 14 by Benjamin Percy and Andy Kubert. Uh, Logan heads to Madripoor to find out who set fire to the Marauder, uh, assaulted Christian Frost, and stole the Shi'ar Logic Diamonds during the Hellfire Gala. His quest leads him to some Russians and an Iraqan pirate named Sever Blackmore, who's holed up in a lawless area north of Madripoor. The two fight for a bit, and then Blackmore reveals why he was on the Marauder and who cut off his nose. It's Solemn, Wolverine's opponent during the Ten of Swords. Right. You know, I feel like until this issue, the only reason I could see the Wolverine storyline going on at all was just to sell comics. <laughs> you know, it's not it's not like a purposeful kind of thing. Uh, this one actually kind of fit into a genre. I think that I would have liked the Wolverine story up until now a lot more if it really was more like a film noir kind of like yeah. he's yeah. he's a private investigator like oh wolverine pet detective like he's going out there doing things that would be too hard for an organization like x-force to do but because he's one singular person it kind of works clark i was literally thinking that i, I since i watched a ton of terrific turn of classic movies it felt like film noir suddenly becomes a a errol flynn pirate movie and mm-hmm. both yeah, yeah. Both, totally. there was a seamless connect so it wasn't that you know, didn't feel off. Kaylin. This was def- this was definitely the best issue in a while. And uh, it's, no, it's no coincidence that Adam Kubert was also drawing it. So it looked great. Like the last couple of issues uh, that had Scott Eaton was, or I can't remember, maybe that was somebody else was the, doing the fill-in artist. But um, the series still feels very incongruous because it's like, we've been dealing with the Vampire Nation. Oh, then we got the Hellfire Gala. And now we've got this. It's like, what happened with the whole Vampire Nation storyline? I mean, Parts of that were really kind of dull and boring. Uh, I did like the whole inclusion of Sevelith, but this just feels like I like I'm still trying to figure out its reason for existence besides sales. And this was a good issue, but it it's like why couldn't this just be an issue of X Force? 
I mean, they do like spotlight series or spotlight issues on different characters. They've done it with Kid Omega, for example, but I don't, I don't know. Adam? My biggest problem, I really did enjoy the issue overall from a like design perspective. I agree with you that the sort of noir mystery was really interesting and exciting. The thing I hated was like all of the Iraqis that like have decided to stick around and like make the world their own, they suck. Like their designs are <laughs> ugly. They're like stupid. I'm like missing all of these the like, wonderful characters yeah. they created. And then they terraformed Mars and just threw them up there. And I'm like, this is not the way you're going to keep Iraqi, which maybe that's the point, but I'm like, you know, I'm not getting attached because all these people just are fucking like garbage hooligans. And I'm like, where's the interesting designs? Where's the fun characters that may recur after you've created like an entire other population of mutants kind of thing, except for uh, the woman in sword who I do enjoy her design is sick and also her like cool, like daggers and shit. Uh, Ryan. Yeah, that I, I would agree. Like all the Iraqis are just like, what if like the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants was a whole island? And it was a fucking <laughs> and it, it does feel a little bit like that because they're just so prepared to murder everyone on back on Earth. Um, which was probably intentional to give them some mutants to deal with later in life, um, after Krakoa. Uh, but uh, with that all said, I, I do like the art style a lot. I like how ugly the main like villain quote-unquote mm-hmm. villain lo- looked in this and i loved emma's design i love seeing her streamline she, like that it looked really great cool. yeah, yeah it was it was so different than the typical interpretation of her i i really enjoyed that um that's what really like brought the book up to another level also pirates like it, it was, it was <laughs> fun um yeah it was a good issue Clark? I did, I did like Scarlet, I'm Jesus. Um, Emma Frost showing up in kind of like the, you know, the mall way in, an, in a noir, who it's just like the blonde walks in and yeah, you know, yeah. kind of shady yeah. and she's telling him blah, blah, blah. And it's not kind of bullshit at the same time. Yeah, no, there was that one line that actually made me think of uh, immediately as a noir where Wolverine goes, like, she thinks she's giving me orders and I'll let her think that, but she's still a suspect too. I'm like, this that is straight is- up <laughs> like. Totes. Like Raymond Chandler, like, yeah, all that shit. It's great. All right, so moving on, we had two miniseries that we read over the last uh, few months. The first is Black Knight by Ty Spurrier and Sergio uh, Davia. I'm not going to go through the full synopsis here, but ultimately what happens is Dane Whitman finds out that he has a daughter, and there's the character of Jax, who is the Arthurian uh, like historian, and they have to fight Mordred because, of course, you know, it's an Arthurian thing. Um, Elsa Bloodstone gets involved uh, and at the very end we find out that Black Knight is not just one character, it's two characters it's two people, father and daughter who are going to be carrying the mantle moving forward um, what did you guys all think? Clark? I was worried that it was going to be one of those, introduce a character just so the original one can die and they can replace Oof. him thing because you know Marvel's doing that left, right and center all the time yeah. um, they did it with Darkhawk recently. They had one issue, like special one shot where they killed him off. And I'm like, why the fuck did I read this? And now they're going to have a mini series of another guy. But anyways, um, I was very pleased with this. I love the fact that she starts off as uh, an Arthurian um, Expert. Professor, Historian. But, anyways, who, yeah. but one who doesn't believe it ever happened. Gotcha. And literally yeah. afterwards, he's like, oh, well, I was fucking wrong. Um, yeah. My favorite part is that fucking ugly ass chair that they made um, <laughs> it's like the jankiest piece of shit 
that has the ability to like help whoever, whichever Black Knights can be sitting in it to help them like kind of see what needs to be done and blah, blah, blah. I, I like the fact that they're, they're tag teaming. I think it's excellent. But I was very concerned and it turned out very well. Um, Brent. Right. So Mordred, his idea is like, let's make a crown and connect it to some wires. <laughs> and we'll have an app that my crown will make people miserable, which will drive people to the app which will make them more miserable. And I don't think he realizes how much more money he could make if he just put that on Wall Street and traded it because we already have Facebook. So like (laughs) he could form a new Camelot with the billions and billions of dollars he would make just by running his stupid hat. And I'm glad that the story is like, yeah, this is a stupid hat. And by stupid hat logic, because I was on your app while I was dying and that hat is touching your crown. I'm now inside your crown. It's good enough for me uh, to circle a terrible loop. I like the fact that, that a dead man comes back from the dead and without thinking about anything knows this is what you need to do. Like he, he, he's so ahead of the curve, even though he's been a corpse for, he knows how to work in Excel way better than I do. Um, It's uh. Also, I thought, Brent, I thought you were building up to a grinder joke, like builds an app that will, will in turn try to be great, but then destroy humanity. Like, I thought that was where we were going. Isn't that all yeah. apps, though? Great but point. it's definitely, no, it does fit Grinder the most. Like, you're depressed, so you log on to Grinder, and then you get more depressed. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, he's looking, yeah. looking for a black knight to take me away. Headless torsos only. <laughs> yeah, giant swords encouraged. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, no, it's funny, like, how old school villains are always trying to recreate some terrible time. And they're, they're like, I want to recreate Camelot. And you're like, that was terrible. Yeah. There was a lot of But what about life. the diphtheria? <laughs> I, I like I like the fact that it was terrible to him. Like he calls himself the victim because he was victimized by his father, but he still wants to like recreate that horrible world where he was victimized. Why hurt people hurt right? people, right, Ryan? <laughs> yeah, the hell yeah. That's so, so true. I wanted to bring up really quickly. We're getting Arthur back in Excalibur right now. The final shot of him, the last issue was Arthur's right. back. Yeah. And Good the point. end of this uh, end of this miniseries, they say Black Knight will be back this year or whatever, probably next year, but just the same. Do you think there will be some connective tissue between the two? Yeah. I do. But, uh, because because Cypher, well, Cypher, well, he's going to be yeah, he's, he'll be in Eternals, but Sice uh-huh. Burrier is one of the X writers right now, so I'm sure him and Teeny they're talking about this stuff. I was going to say actually, I would love to see Sice Burrier write like almost a team book with the Black Knights. Elsa Bloodstone, throw in some uh-huh. other randos in there. Call it whatever the fuck you want. I would read the shit out of that. I think that would be so much fun. Daughters and daddies. Daughters <laughs> and daddies. Yikes. You've um, watched Toddlers and Tiaras. Now it's, it's Daughters and Daddies. Pornhub stuff I don't look at. <laughs> yeah. Yes, I would hope not, Clark. I would hope not. I don't see that gay and straight on that little button ever. I... <laughs> I think my now my point's kind of ruined. I wasn't gonna say this is inclusivity done right, but I meant it in the regard to Clark. Uh, I think your point is really salient because what I, I don't like is this kind of ongoing evolution where there can only be one version of a character, and then you're choosing between these kind of like more static uh, cisgender white dudes, and then obviously like a new person to kind of like hopefully open up uh, people's interests. I thought the way that this ended was like really spectacular, and it's also 
perfect because the last thing we need and more, which we've already had a lot on Mordred's side over this five issue series is daddy issues or parent issues. Like it is such a huge problem that every single parent has to be dead for anyone to actually succeed in life when it comes to comics. And we talk about that all the time. We're just a medium in general. So I'm excited that there's this now thing. It almost reminded me of like if Batman and Oracle were like able to just constantly switch places on who was Batman, who was Oracle. So I, I do want to see more of it because I think it's a very unique take on how to handle like a father-daughter relationship. Uh, I was going to say like that, that's why uh, I'm really glad both Laura and Logan are Wolverine right now in the X-Books. And I almost wish that the Wolverine comic was about her or even or like even if not if it's not solely about her she's like the co-star of the book and that would give it a reason to exist outside of x-force yeah. right one quick thing they they clearly believe in the mantle of the black knight as something that should like continue at what point do they realize that part of their job is impregnating someone <laughs> like <laughs> they've well, got to continue the line they've got to fuck in order for the black knight to continue our arthur's bloodline has to go somewhere right well, I do, yeah. I'm hoping she gets pregnant. I, yeah, yeah. Let me see that on screen. Um, <laughs> what I really, what I really like is the fact that Mordred killed every male like possible yeah. lineage, and just like he's a dick from like 400 AD who wouldn't <laughs> even think about the fact that a woman might be able to be a knight. I think is awesome. That was a good twist. I love that a lot too. Yeah, it's like the old joke of like, well, I can't operate on him he's my son the doctor said how like, is well, it possible <laughs> yeah exactly i also like the fact they can give me three pages and give me an emotional backstory to some mother who's dead even though you know fridging woman but at the same time at least it's fridging a, a woman's woman i was gonna so like that person has, has that person previously been in comments no. No, wow no, okay uh, yeah it, it's a really great series because again i thought i maybe was missing something and i was just like oh well this is all really good synopsis stuff and i love it no, i'm like glad yeah. we all were able to go on that journey together because i thought it wasn't really real well handled you're right folks. i was also glad we could go on that journey together <laughs> <laughs> all right what's all going right, on with so bill so we had uh the miniseries by daniel warren johnson which takes place in continuity um, during the fight with Donald Blake, uh, uh, Bill lost Stormbreaker, his, his, his hammer, why did I say sword, thinking about Black Knight still, <laughs> um, which means that he couldn't turn back into his humanoid form, which meant that Sif wouldn't fuck him. Who knew she was going to be a problematic gay? I guess she's a preference only gay. <laughs> um, but um, they go on a quest uh, along with uh, Scourge, Hip the Troll, and his ship, Scuttlebutt, that turns into like a humanoid form. Uh, they find out from Odin, who's just drinking booze at that bar, that uh, Beta Ray Bill needs another magical weapon. This time it's the Twilight Sword, which was the sword that Surtur has, which y'all remember from Thor Ragnarok. It was also the person that destroyed uh, Bill's homeworld. He gets it back. It's a very linear storyline, but it's got a, a lot of gorgeous art. And one of my favorite moments of like Scuttlebutt turning into the biggest gun that Scourge has ever seen, giving him the biggest part <laughs> on a god could get. God, that, that panel was so fucking wonderful. And um, yeah, and ends with a very like kind of sad note where like Bill's like, yeah, I'm happy. And then he sees his reflection. It's cool. just his horse form, which I think is a weird flex, by the way, that like he feels less than when he's in his horse form because I think he looks fucking great. He's jacked as fuck. Uh, you know, he looks very unique. He and can't that's whistle. never a bit. <laughs> that's true 
but you can eat an be, apple. I will say kissing will be would be very difficult. That's the only thing that I would get upset yeah. about. Yeah. Low jobs though. Oh, mama mia. <laughs> but he's all oh, teeth. No. You know, no, you get a side blow job. You let him clamp those teeth <laughs> around. <laughs> or fuck one of those giant nostrils. Am yeah. I right? Oh my god. <laughs> you get it. Oh, All right. What do we I think, mean, this Clark? Show, this show was, I mean, show. I'm just going to say show. Sure. Um, could handle everything. It could handle the main character, the plot. The, the, all the side characters were just spot on, perfect story wise. I think the best moment for me is literally him impaling Surtur on his fucking huge ass spike. It is, that was some intense stuff. And in like the best 80s, um, you know, magic and might and magic series. I don't know. I found it fucking awesome. Brian. Brian. Yeah, I also loved it a lot. I it had the art style was really fun, sort of different, not what you're expecting really for this sort of comic, and uh, it just had so much heart to it. it I, I really liked it a lot. It it made me giggle and it made me tear up at the end. And Pip is a star. I mean, Pip the troll is a star. He's not a troll anymore. He's a star. Pip the star. I love him. Ah. Uh, yeah, no, I thought the art was very pop punk, which I really liked. It was like, it's not really my style, but I thought it was very original. And yeah, the five issues like just worked out really nicely. And they had done lots of good buildup from Thor itself. And so it's great to see, again, this is like, these were two really good miniseries because these are not characters I really followed as a kid. And I'm like, oh, great. I love these people. And they're kind of like resetting them up for me to really enjoy seeing them both in comics. And I'm sure in the MCU, obviously, uh, very, very shortly. Right. I think the reason why it works so well is that it knew it was a relatively short story. It has a simple plot, very A to B, get the object, the ob object accomplishes something, but at a cost. And it didn't try and waste a lot of time with uh, side storylines or, you know, really uh, additional uh, digging back into history kind of motivations. Uh, or or trying to do some fake world building that wouldn't have meant anything. Everything was localized to the main characters, how the world that they were in meant, what that meant for them, and uh, how their motivations like continued the plot forward. It's very nice. There's very little fat yeah. on us. I would I do want to say, Ryan, that I think Scourge is the the breakout here. Oh, definitely. But I will. I, I think Scuttlebutt. I do want to give credit. Yeah, Beta Ray and Scuttlebutt are actually an adorable couple, and I want more. I really like them a yeah. lot. It gave, yeah, it gave it me danger vibes. It was very danger from the X-Men yeah. vibes. Danger, and, but also the reverse of, like, Solo's droid, or, like, not Solo, but uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Lando Calrissian's yeah. droid from Solo. Like, I definitely got that vibe from her. Totes. It, I did. I, it also reminded me of, not the real characters, but sort of that, like, robot human like a human interaction or send you know sentient people just getting together kind of thing of in an island yeah yeah <laughs> and then I, it's me and my vacuum cleaner yeah uh no with a uh, clerk and then there was that um like robot during the like pre-annihilation issues i forget her name but that was like the whole thing that like he ended up sacrificing himself or whatever i care i have to remember what she was but she was like she was a robot too kind of idea and i just oh, i always cool. like that when there's like sentient beings that are just like kind of enjoying each other it's very cool yeah all right well that's been our mega size plant size issues <laughs> uh, <laughs>
I think I'm hearing a news flash. It's a news flash. <laughs> All right. Flash. Let's get into some of the comics news. Uh, the comic streaming app, Comixology, is getting into the content creation business by releasing exclusive content on the app, which will then be printed and distributed with Dark Horse. Uh, Scott Snyder has signed on to a deal and he's going to release eight books with uh, several different great artists. Uh, what do you guys uh, think about Scott Snyder signing on? And what do you think about Comixology kind of getting into the creation business like every other streaming services? Caitlin. Well, they've been doing Comixology originals for a little while. So this isn't new, but this is the highest profile creator that's done something like this. I like Scott Snyder a lot. Like he wrote like metal and death metal for and Batman for DC comics, but his like independent stuff is really great. Like he did AD with Jeff Lemire, uh, Brent, which you read and he did witches for image. Um, not all of these will be great. Cause you know, he's got like a, you know, he's got like a track record. Sometimes he hits, sometimes he doesn't, but the artists that he has are just like, wow, some of the best in the business. And the great thing is like uh, for comicsology subscribers like us, they're going to be free. So uh, we will be able to get them as, as Comixology originals. We'll be able to get them and read them and talk about them, hopefully, on podcast. Clark? How the fuck is he going to write all these? At mm. once. Very quickly. <laughs> well, I, think, I, I don't think he's doing anything else. Like He stopped doing DC Comics. He's not doing anything for Image right now. I think this is what he's... This is... A, a deal that spans like a few years. Yeah, it's and not like they're gonna like out. all come out in one swoop. I think no, um, it's gonna be they're gonna be sequenced. All right, I I'm very excited. <laughs> I like the one, uh, the Book of Evil, which is supposed to be about four young friends growing up in strange near future where ninety percent of the population are born as psychopaths. That concept is very interesting to me. I mean, obviously, it's a typical like dystopia what if, but I just love the idea that, that you'd be like one of the normal people while everyone's running they around trying to kill each other. And then also everyone thinks they're one of the normal people, but the, the rest of the people are TikTok stars. And you're like, well, who's the, who's the crazy <laughs> one here? Yeah. Uh, in uh, X-Men, oh, sorry, Caitlin. No, I was just gonna say, Adam, I'm surprised that Night of the Ghoul isn't the one that you look are looking forward to the most. Cause it's like all about like a horror film tropes, which is like oh. definitely like up your alley. I know. Well, Book of Evil seemed horror tropish enough that I was like, I'm in. I, didn't, I might have missed that one too. I thought that was going to be like a your face is ugly joke, Night of the Ghoul. <laughs> Horse face. Thank you for making it. Yeah. Hey, Maybe. Clark, I'm surprised you didn't want We have demons. You know what? So, in other uh, uh, comic news, the X Men series writer Jerry Dugan stated that the Hellfire Gala event. And X vote for the X Men team will happen every year. Uh, what do you guys think about having the gala be a yearly event? The possibility for this high a turnover for the X Men, and what do you think it tells us about the long term beliefs Marvel has in the X Men kind of Krakoa story line broadly in the future? Uh, Ryan, let's start with you. The, I think we're split on this because I think people are yay, some people are mad. I am of the camp. Uh, that I this does not excite me because let's be honest, one year in comics is 12 issues. That doesn't get that's usually one run of like X-Men comics. I'm not excited for this. I miss the runs where the X-Men team are there for a very long time. So we're talking a good 60 issues of the same team, getting to know them, getting to love them, like doing the entire <laughs> like knowing all of that stuff. So 
them changing every 12 issues, this could maybe be less or more, but it doesn't excite me because I do want to see a little bit of consistency because the X-Men over the years has gotten away from it. Personally, that's what I think. Caitlin, before we go to you, um, do you think that there's any possibility that they maintain most of the team when they're re-upping their vote and then allows you to change out players? Or what are your other thoughts anyways, Caitlin? Um, so I don't mind the Hellfire Gala being every year. I think like if they're going to try to like replicate the Met Gala um, in comics, I think this makes a lot of sense. And like they like, and then everybody gets like used to the anticipation. Oh well, fuck! They like colonized Mars last year. What are they going to do this year? I think that's kind of cool and <laughs> building Mercury. up that anticipation and that dread. Sure, Mercury, Venus, all of them. Um, but the idea of them voting on an X Men team, I don't love it because it makes it feel like old school Avengers. Oh, where like they have like this whole like oh we're gonna vote on who all the new members are i'd rather well one to ryan's point i'd like the team to be consistent for a while but i think if there's going to be new team members that come in it happens organically rather than like they do this like thing every year clark i mean i think it makes more sense I, i'm not dissatisfied with it i think it makes more sense with the krakoan era in terms of the politics that's going on there that they have new players all the time just, you know, I, I want to see some villains next go around. Um, I do think that Cyclops and Gene will stick around. This is their baby. They're the ones yeah. in charge of it. So I think it'll be five new, new ones besides them each time. And I do like the fact that this shows this and the fact that he said Cable Cable said that old Cable said that Krakoa lasts for a long time. How, how long long is that means more than it's going to crash in like a year that with that and the this has to be more than one extra election. So this is going on for a while, and I'm pleased with that. Krakow is not just going to crash and burn any minute now. So you think that uh, Gene is stuffing the ballot box. Uh, Adam, what do you think? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think as long as it's built into the context of the storyline, I'm, I'm down and I'm interested in it, because I think you're right. Like, we're just in a very different era than the typical X-Men flow, I think, of the 80s and even 90s. But what I don't want is this to become like some sort of ongoing marketing gimmick because like it was cute to do the fan voting this year. But if they keep involving that sort of stuff, then I'm like, okay, now it really just feels like a commercialization of the property rather than like a real storyline thoughtfulness. And I do like the idea that there's gonna there would be a mega event if it's the gala every year. I feel like that could get kind of dry. So I hope they kind of like, the way they're doing the crossovers of the next event is, so fucking good that's all i want is like 20 issues all telling like the same story kind of thing and just continuing chapters like it all just felt so much better than a standard even ten of swords like we said felt better than a standard crossover i just hope they have they use it from an artistic lens rather than a commercial lens. um if i could just jump in really quickly uh i'm sorry clark uh but like just really quickly i am 100 agree with adam because i cannot deal with like x fandom like doing their stupid fucking like like ballot box like campaigning and like mm-hmm. negative campaigning like that like like just like yeah. made me so like upset at like how certain people did that stuff and it's like I don't want to go through that again to have some favorite character they read about in 1994 like isn't on the X Men and how dare that they're not on there like who cares I'm sorry I do want to comment um, we we did miss a. Gene stuffing the ballot box sex joke. <laughs> wow. And that's it. Okay. Yeah. I can't I can't wait for that. Clark Whitehead definitely knows women. 
<laughs> I can't wait for the next Hellfire Gala where they take over the planet of Jupiter. All right. Uh, moving on to MCU news. Uh, Ethan Hawke has been added to the cast of the Disney Plus series Moon Knight, possibly as the villain Sun King or Werewolf by Night. Also added to the cast was Gaspard Ulil, apologies for the mispronunciation, uh, who's playing the role of Anton Mokart, a.k.a. Midnight Man. Uh, so uh, my question is, are we just working the way up with increasingly prestige actors and how long before we can get to Jennifer Coolidge in the MCU? <laughs> okay. Kayla. Thank you. Uh, I would love Jennifer Coolidge in the MCU, uh, but <laughs> it just makes me realize that Moon Knight has a terrible rogues gallery. Yeah. <laughs> just terrible. <laughs> the names so alone. So true, Kayla. <laughs> They're just like, I'm sure it'll be a lot of fun to watch. Oscar Isaac will kill it, but like, oof. Yeah. Maybe there'll be like good interpretations. Sun Man and dog-faced boy yeah Just, yeah it's great my favorite is that they've given you such a spectrum of who ethan hawk could play it's either the sun or the night like it's very like that's all you it's gonna be everything in between afternoon, yeah man. before sunrise before midnight before sunset <laughs> he was great in all three of those the tides do yeah <laughs> have you yeah. ever called a guy sun king when he's fucking you yeah <laughs> i will now uh, I call them Daddy King. Or Midnight Man. Daddy by night sure. is how I, I invite my Daddy, man. Daddy, I do want to say, I don't night. want to talk about somebody's penis, but Gaspard Uliel, yes. I have uh, werewolfed yes, at a guy. <laughs> werewolfed a guy. <laughs> All right. Uh, in some somewhat surprising uh, news, DC uh, Disney Plus uh, announced that their show Hawkeye will be coming out November 24th, 2021. Um, given your feelings about the, like the last batch of the MCU shows and you know possible movie tie-ins, how excited are you now for this show, Kevin? Uh, definitely more excited. And as a quick plug to uh, listen to our Black Widow podcast, where we talked about the coda spoilers, by the way, uh, from the movie. If you haven't seen it by now, you shouldn't be listening to this podcast anyway. Where you had uh, uh, the Contessa showing uh yelena the picture of hawkeye saying this is who killed um uh natasha so that's what makes is going to make me really excited obviously like you know kate bishop great cool 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 next generation hawkeye awesome but like having yelena in that show uh i can't fucking wait it's yeah. gonna be great clark i do like the fact that they're going to be showing a quasi fucked up family just in time for thanksgiving oh <laughs> yeah fair enough I'm excited for this. Um, uh, I I think this new Kate Bishop, like I think the casting is right. Uh, I'm excited for her to be the in the MCU. I think Jeremy Renner is going to do the same performance that he did before, which was ah, he did it. He's Hawkeye, but uh, so I think. But uh, I'm more excited for this than I even realized when I saw some of the promotional photos. I was like, this looks like the comics come to life and that really excites me um they've given little teasers that like this is going to be based off one of like the most iconic like hawkeye runs so i I, i'm pretty excited for this i think it's going to be a lot of like ground street levity that we sort of want from these series uh i yeah i'm super pumped adam yeah, I'm hoping that they do a good job of... I, I was definitely a 7 pre-Black Widow, now like a 9 or 10 Black Widow because Yelena's so fucking cool. And I know she's not going to probably be in a lot of it, but I'm just going to keep wishing that she's in the entire thing because I do think it actually ties perfectly 
from the Black Widow storyline around family of, you know, Hawkeye obviously going to have this kind of daddies and daughters relationship. With daddies Kate. and daughters, yeah. They're, they're <laughs> thinking about retelling the I love They don't know. They don't know. Adam, I love that you just, you've recreated, you've recreated the meme of Fast and the Furious. It's about family. Family, in right. In this podcast. Family, yeah. You know it's going to come through because I, I also think it might be a good time just like they've done with Loki a little bit, obviously, because he's a completely different Loki. But I'm hoping they maybe, to your point, Ryan, if it's going to focus on more of like a good Hawkeye run, that they kind of evolve the character and give him a little bit more flair um, than maybe he, because I think even Natasha, you know, granted, it was supposed to be her movie, but it really wasn't great for her. It was great for Yelena. There was something very different about how Black Widow, Natasha interacted with Yelena. So I'm excited to see Hawkeye just interact with people that aren't other superheroes or like learning superheroes, because he could be a lot different than he was the gruff, Ronan that was so stupid and edgy for like a 13 year old <laughs> last word Clark I'm mostly excited we're gonna get a real lucky the pizza dog in this ah! and ah. I just saw a picture of him it's incredibly cute where is it oh, um, oh my god it, it, but Look it also reminds guy. me of you know that big sausage pizza porn where you put your dick through the bottom <laughs> of the box and it pops I out know it well. that's exactly what's going on there except it's a dog's this head is- this is I, an extra porny episode of Homo Superior, I, by the way. Extra porn. I don't know what that is, but you'll have to send me a video. All yeah, right, sure. moving on. Scarlett Please Johansson. never send me a video. Uh, Scarlett Johansson just filed a lawsuit against Disney for a breach of contract, claiming that they violated uh, their releasing schedule for Black Widow uh, by releasing it to their streaming service when it was still in theaters. Her salary was tied to the box office sales, so she is reportedly projected to lose some $50 million. Um, you know, was Disney just trying to pull a slick one or is this like the first legal battle, you know, kind of come to fruition from the streaming service platforms, Ryan? This, this is kind of crazy because we've never really seen a public sort of like uh, actor, especially one of the Disney actors, Marvel actors acting out <laughs> against them. But I think it's a big deal. I think it's showing like, hey, we can fight back a little bit with this. Uh, I, I'm very excited to see where this goes. She's right. I, I think it ultimately did hurt them by still releasing it at home, even though our friend bought it like 14 times through theater and home, whatever. But um, uh, also, I will say at this time, I would just recommend everyone listen to our Black Widow um podcast where we have scarlett johansson on and she talks about some of her legal woes so just really check that out just, don't uh, don't false advertise <laughs> no okay, it was scarlett adam in a wig it was just adam in a wig <laughs> yeah uh but yeah no this is this is super huge actually it's really interesting clark clark what do you um, think i mean it is absolutely huge i think it's going to be much worse for anybody involved with hbo max and warner brothers stuff because they aren't being released in theaters they're being yeah. straight up released so anybody who had a back end um any money coming from back end is going to be totally fucked um yeah the other thing is that she's 100 percent right they need they needed to figure this out with yeah. actors and with back end yeah. stuff but also yeah. she was not gonna get 50 million dollars this movie wasn't going to make that much money even without even with if it stayed in the theaters no it would have made more it would be more, but it wouldn't be fifty million dollars worth more. Yeah, yeah, because it. I know probably I, getting about ten percent of box office. If and ten percent of three hundred thousand is not fifty. Well, but combined, because combined, the first 
week she they did over like 140 but that was only just in the u.s wasn't it i thought it was like 80 on the at theaters 60 on disney plus and then there was a huge drop off which is another problem but we also need to figure out whether what dc's i mean dc's disney's release figures really are yeah they don't have and we will them. get to the bottom yeah check back next week when I we tell you know. all about the numbers i want to know <laughs> Because what if Netflix had to do this kind of stuff? What if there was a weird backhand thing? Obviously, it wouldn't be the case. But because Welcome that's to Homo Superior like Market Research Firm. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I want to know. Uh, ours is uh, 75 minutes. Investigations. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, moving on. Uh, uh, adding to its video game adaptation collection, Netflix has put out an order for a live action adaptation of Pokemon. Uh, details about this are scarce, but how excited would you guys say you are to see an insufficient uh, CGI fake animals run around and interact with real people? Don't be uh, I, I mean, I feel like Detective Pikachu, as a Pokemon fan, Detective Pikachu really worked for me. I am, the anime is good. I don't know why we need some sort of like US live action version. I'm like a little concerned because I'm just, I think to your point, unless they're like investing a Detective Pikachu level budget, it's going to look like shit and it's going to involve a bunch of fucking like rat nosed kids doing nothing and learning the power <laughs> of love. And I'm like, I'm not here for that shit. Like it's gotta be some I, detective Pikachu work. Cause it was like a slightly different tone and take on Pokemon, which I, I thought was working. So that's, I, I'm not super excited. I am interested, but I'm like, this isn't going to work. Park. They need to put some effort into getting some money to them. It's Netflix, so they won't do as much as, you know, obviously not do as much as Lord of the Rings, Amazon giving billions of dollars to, I mean. Right. But I, I, I mean, I loved, I didn't know I would like Detective Pokemon, but I thought it was pretty great. Detective Pikachu. It wasn't me. called but, that. <laughs> detective Pokemon. That sounds like something like my mother would say. <laughs> yeah, be, be Pokemons or something, but just the same. <laughs> As as you said, it need, it's going to need some real money behind it to get the characters. I don't want it to be some cloak and dagger style piece of shit. Right. Mm, yeah. I uh, okay. So Netflix did uh, crystals, uh, whatever, uh, and it, it was all yeah. Log card. <laughs> crystals, dark crystal. Thank you. Crystal um, whatever. Sorry, I get, I get excited. Crystal light, the soft drink. Yeah, it's okay. pretty good, actually. Uh, once you add. Uh, anyway, but uh, I, if it was live puppets, I think that would be super fun. <laughs> that would be cool. <laughs> Wouldn't that be fun as fuck? Yeah. Because the problem is constantly, like, the CGI just will never be there unless they get, like, some crazy sort of, like, yeah. Avengers budget. Um, and they are stupid looking. So, like, just having it in real life, I think, would be fun. And then if it gets popular, then they can throw more money into it, more CGI. But like, give me some fucking puppets and just go to town on it. I, I was going to say, I don't watch the show, but I know that knowing that it's backed by the co-showrunner for Lucifer makes me far more interested too. I don't like, I don't, it seems like that show's great. People seem to like it. And maybe they'll just be beautiful, topless men running around the entire time in Pokemon world as well. I really hope they get Cubone, who's my favorite Pokemon, who's the lonely Pokemon who wears his mother's skull. Oh, but he is so hard to sign a contract with, Mark. It's hard <laughs> to get him. This, this just in, Cubone is suing Netflix because <laughs> Oh, because yeah. his mother's corpse. I do wonder if our technology when it comes to these kind of graphics is like jumped ahead because of productions like The Mandalorian, which use a different kind of CGI mm. to render, you know, 
landscapes, but maybe there's other, you know, innovations that are now a lot cheaper that a, a TV Brent, show production could do. But Brent, what's Baby Yoda? Puppet. Uh, puppet. <laughs> puppet. I thought you were going to say a Pokemon for a second. <laughs> he is. All right, last bit of news. Uh, Michael B. Jordan and his production company, Outlier Society, are working with HBO Max to produce a miniseries based on the Earth 2 Superman, Val Zod, in which Jordan would probably play the titular role. Uh, who is Val Zod, and uh, what would a miniseries with him be like? Caitlin. Uh, so, yeah, when uh, DC published a comic, started maybe about uh, nine, ten years ago, called Earth 2, it was, uh, that's the one where they made Green Lantern gay, the Alan Scott Green Lantern. Uh, and it was the whole, the whole uh, concept was like um, Superman, Batman and Wonder Woman were killed by Darkseid and their soldiers. And then there was a whole new generation of heroes that had to come, come forth. And so it was a lot of the Justice Society characters, but then they had like generational characters like Dick Grayson becoming Batman. And Val Zod was another Kryptonian who was like, um, in in this universe who became like the next superman um i think it's great because one i love michael b jordan Two, the idea of a black superman makes me super happy uh for a variety of reasons some of which is it's going to trigger some really awful fans and you know they can go fuck themselves uh but i'm a little shocked that they didn't go with calvin ellis who is the superman of another universe who is also the president it's almost like a Barack Obama becoming becoming Superman, which I think there was like a lot of like story potential there. I don't know what the story potential of Val Zod would be, but regardless, I'm going to watch it because it looks kind of cool. Michael B. Jordan's great and love me a black Superman. Shouldn't, shouldn't we be holding off on HBO producing things, HBO Max producing things, considering it's not going to be that company anymore? Discovery's buying them from AT&T. We have no idea what's going to happen production-wise and money-wise. A lot of the producers are going to be switching and not working on things anymore because they're going to be fired and being connected. I, I don't quite understand why anyone they're working on this. I get why because it sounds fucking awesome, but hold off until you have any clue whether it could ever go through. Adam? I just want to see Zal Valzad fighting in the French Revolution. That's all I want. It's a bad What? What? As always, what was that joke? Uh, they always be like, <laughs> a lame end, on a, end on a low note. Yeah. yeah okay. I'm lame. Now. That's our episode. Dark liked it. That's, that's all I our care episode. About. I said that's our episode. <laughs> Take it and or leave another it. thing about that. All right. We've been Homo Superior. Thank you for coming to our TED Talk, Daddies and Daughters and You. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Bye. Bye.